talk yesterday evening and hearing from Yvonne that she received several notes of interest about the Zogchen practice. I had half expected a fleet of cars to be zooming off this morning <laughs> towards another retreat facility, but however, <laughs> you all seem to still to be here. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> With the first day of the retreat, we were establishing the interest and the relationship with the breathing experience. And with that, mindful and of the incoming breath and the outgoing breath, and that characteristic of coming and going. And in that contact with the breath, we also, of course, notice the uh, intrusion, really, of our likes and dislikes which occur when we're establishing the relationship with the breathing experience. In other words, at times we uh, don't like the breath to be uh, rough or erratic or irregular or whatever, and at other times we prefer, we like it to be more uh, calm, when it is calm, uh, still, or deep, or smooth. And we're not concerned with the experience of the likes and dislikes with regard to the breathing experience, but much more with just the way the breath is. And finding out what it is to be clear, uh, conscious, in the face of what is rather than what our uh, personal likes and dislikes are. And the breath is a useful reference point for that. Also, in being with the breath, we're bringing conscious life to cellular existence. So when we are experiencing the breathing, what we're saying in another way is that the cells, the, the sensations coming out of the cells, when we're conscious of them in the breathing experience, we're bringing consciousness to cellular existence. And with the incoming breath, we feel the touch of the air consciousness in contact with the touch of the air, the influence of the air element on bodily life. At times, in being with the breathing experience, various forms of tensions, uh, aches, pressures and pains can begin to emerge from the body. Sometimes some of these, through busyness, through doing, through preoccupation, are uh, neglected in our day-to-day -day life and it only becomes apparent to us when we are sitting still, when we are walking slowly, that we are uh, harboring, uh, holding onto, or ignoring various tensions and pressures. These, of course, may experience, be experienced in area, any area or any location of the body. Of course, the, the wish of the mind in the experience of what is difficult and painful is to be free from it. And we see that with mindfulness of breathing, we can bring a considerable degree of calmness and 
relaxation to the body through the feeling into the cellular life and to some degree some of the tensions, pressures that we've accumulated can dissolve away. And in that, that leaves a certain quality of being, a certain refreshment, we might say, in the moment. However, sometimes there are places and points of pressure, or tension, which, or aches or pains with us, which simply do not go away. And no matter how much knowledge or insight we may have into causes and conditions, no matter how much care and attention we may give to bodily life through exercise, through diet, through meditation, through body work or whatever, it may not uh, diminish sufficiently enough for that discomfort, that pain, that ache, to disappear altogether. So, though there is the interest to free ourselves from physical pains and aches of life, it may not be the case with all. And we begin to recognize that it may be that its acceptance is more necessary rather than the view to getting rid of. And that uh, discomfort, wherever it is uh, in the body, is something which we simply have to include in our relationship to life. And of course, the discomfort may have all sorts of origins in a distant past. It may simply be through the composite of the, of the body uh, as it is in the present. It may be through simply... Uh, aging or the lingering effect of something which events which occurred in a near or distant past. Whatever it might be, as I say, it may be necessary for us to drop the view of getting rid of being free from and have an accommodating awareness which includes certain forms of unsatisfactory physical experience as a feature of existence. And the wisdom here is to know the difference between the appropriate work of working to diminish and dissolve and what is just to be accommodated. No wish, no expectation, no hope of that particular discomfort disappearing. We expanded our field of uh, attention from the uh, breath to the bodily uh, ex experiences. Jose spoke about this yesterday. And in the expansion to the bodily experiences, certainly what uh, naturally takes priority are the forms of experience which I referred to, the difficult ones, and it can be very useful and appropriate to look and to observe and explore those quite directly. And in a way that is a quiet discipline, it's a, a training, in fact, for the mind, so that our frequent reaction 
is either to fight with or to flee from as the immediate state of reactivity when facing with what we don't want, don't like. And here we're saying, let's change that whole way of relating. Let's look at it. Let's be in touch with, let's explore this experience. And so that that form of direct relating to becomes our natural way. Quite often, of course, when we are engaged in this, it seems to require a lot of work, a lot of effort and uh, dedication. And as we see the wisdom of learning to be with and see what the appropriate response is to working with something, then it becomes much more easy, effortless. We don't want to hide from pain and we don't want to battle with it either. We see a a middle ground between these two. Then we can expand out our field of attention and and expanding out the field of attention to include the sounds of the day. So there are the sounds, of course, human sounds, which take place in the room and maybe a person's voice, maybe somebody moving, maybe clearing of the throat, or walking, whatever it, whatever, and just to include the receptivity to those sounds. Just listening, just for listening. Sometimes we hear the sounds from the other forms of the nature, the wind, the bird, and being receptive to that, near and far. And then there are the sounds which come from machinery, the industrial, technological world, transport, somebody switching on a machine, the sounds of the heating, or whatever. In that we, in our listening, when the self arises and the self has its bias, has its leanings one way or the other, to be able to recognize and to be quite clear, listening without self and listening with self. Listening uh, without self is a pure listening. No interest to change it, keep it, um, alter it. Not charged with one's likes and dislikes. This is all the activity of self in the listening, the constructed self, the conditioned self at work. And at other times in the listening, then the self clearly is at work we may start feeling irritated with a sound which is taking place nearby. We may uh, like a particular sound and we want that uh, to continue. We don't want it to stop, whatever. With, with sound which takes place and in, in the listening, to, as I say, to recognize where the influences of self are at work and where it's a pure listening, uninterrupted with ego considerations, uninterrupted by self-considerations.
considerations. And in that fullness of listening, without the uh, involvement in self, then action can come in another way in life. Not born from self, but born from awareness. <coughs> Quite often, particularly with listening, meditative listening, we can hear sounds which are taking place, and then the view arises, oh, this particular sound, whatever it is, is disturbing my meditation, is stopping me from going deep, is affecting me, whatever. And what we forget, and what has been pointed out for generations, is actually, in that moment, we, ourself, is disturbing the sound. That we are <laughs> intruding into that space of pure listening. So here, to find out what pure listening, pure listening is, to have the sense of that, and when the I and the my arises and has its influence, to be very, very clear about that so that we begin to recognize the arising and the passing of I and my. That equally, of course, applies to the body as well. Sometimes we are sitting and the identification arises quite strongly. I am sitting here, a thought, I, this deeply rooted notion, idea, surfaces, I am sitting here. And sometimes we are quite clear that this I is simply referring to bodily life, bodily nature. So there's the intimacy of being with and the recognition and the acknowledgement that this I arises and sometimes it identifies itself with, with bodily life. Sometimes the my arises, my leg, my back, my body. And again, there's an awareness which recognizes the uh, I arising and the my arising. When this I and my arises, can it be such that it's just for convenience in description? that it isn't a possessive relationship. It isn't a relationship of owning. And yet there is no withdrawal, there is no denial, there's no alienation, there's that uh, depth of intimacy of immediate experience, which revealed itself by seeing body in body, meaning the bare nature of body, experiencing that very intimately, so it's a very close intimacy, so close in fact that when I and my arises, it is simply uh, conventional. To say I am sitting here, conventional meaning it's a reference for bodily life, bodily nature is sitting here. When my back, my leg, simply conventional language for the location of a particular uh, activity, sensation or vibration which is taking place. So we, again, we're not denying I and my and not trying to negate it, not 
seeing it as purposeless in the field of existence, yet it's not carrying this charge of possessiveness, ownership of. So we just say, I am sitting here, my leg, my back, in a non-possessive way, clear way, clear-hearted way, clear-minded way. So, finally, there's been ex- there is the expansion of the field of awareness, breathing, bodying, we might say, listening. If that seems distracting or confusing, then to renew the connection with the in-breath and the out-breath, and acknowledging the field of change taking place, of coming and going, and that includes the whole notion of, and the mind states which can accompany it, of I and my. Fairly obvious and apparent to us that our day-to-day life is such that we move through a range of activities which make up the day. And in that respect, every activity that we are engaged in matters equally as much as any other activity. So from the time of wake up to the time of sleep, and in fact including sleep, all things are worthy of our interest, worthy of our attention. So that the connecting thread which hopefully runs through our activities is the thread of mindfulness. In formal meditation, you might say, we call that meditation in sitting, slow, walking. But everything else too is really worthy of interest and focus upon so that the experience of being in touch, of living and taking one day at a time is something which is not only relevant to us, but something too which we are applying. Sometimes we can look at the day in terms of the major periods of the day. So, wake up to breakfast time as one period, uh, breakfast to lunch, lunch to tea, tea to sleep. And in looking in, into those four periods of time, how is the relationship with each of those periods? And sometimes there are quite strong and noticeable uh, habit patterns which are at work, which affect the quality of the relationship to particular times of the day in a rather habitual pattern. So to bring fullness of care and energy is really to look at the fullness of the day and from wake up to sleep that no stone is left unturned in touch with the fullness of things. The sense for that, the awareness, the experience for that is such that the wandering mind of past and future can really diminish quite considerably 
because the day is rich unto itself, is diverse unto itself. And that realization, that appreciation of that means that there is much more of an effortless sense of being with the present, being with today, and the connection, the relationship to it. One of the periods of the day, of course, are the food times and meal times. And with that, there is consideration to what we eat, to the food that we actually take. And of course, here at the center, a very uh, nutritious uh, vegetarian diet is provided for everyone. And a number of people who, as a result of participating in these retreats, make the decisions for the decision for themselves that there is a commitment to keeping with vegetarian diet and there is a loss of interest in life to eat animals, to eat birds or to eat fish. And again, there's uh, reminders of the value of our connection with creature life certainly comes at the meal times. Sometimes I'm rather amused, some people say to me to, on this theme for a moment, that they're vegetarian, um, except perhaps when they go and visit their parents and they might eat a bit of their chicken or whatever. This, this one isn't a vegetarian if one eats chicken. It's like saying, um, I'm celibate except for about 10 or 15 minutes a week the same thing. One is either vegetarian or one isn't vegetarian. And the guideline, the definition of the term is very simple. One doesn't eat meat, meat or fish. And again, these are decisions which sometimes in our reflection are worth giving care and attention to. Also, of course, with the eating is the uh, amount that we eat. This certainly varies from person to person. And it's all too easy sometimes to get into judgmental views, either with regard to oneself or with regard to others. Quite forgetting different needs that might be taking place, sometimes uh, emotional needs, sometimes uh, the speed of metabolism, many factors. With the e eating and the amount that we eat, that the leaving of some space in the stomach does obviously uh, help to the, the food to digest and process itself much more easily and convert itself into energy and then energy which is applied usefully in life. And Therefore, we consider what we eat, we consider the amount uh, that we eat, and also the way of eating to make the meal times a time of conscious eating, and conscious eating is such that as being mindful and therefore bringing consciousness to the food. Conscious eating is to bring consciousness to the food, making, making it a conscious experience. And in that, the chewing of the food, digestion of the food, all serves very well for the real support and welfare of our whole constitution. And 
simultaneously for the constitution of life as well. So, from the time that we hear the bell at the meal times, the queuing of the food, the uh, washing of the uh, plate and cup and so forth, that whole process, to really regard that as a very mindful and meditative time, to feel really connected with that. So that the meal times and the sitting times in here do have the same consideration. And one wishes to live in a conscious way because anything else isn't worth the name living. In the meditations, in the walking meditations, we can expand out our field of attention and with the walking to include the whole being, the whole experience of walking from the feet through to the top of the head and just experiencing life walking on earth. In that, of course, the conventional mental construction of what is taking place is to think in terms of I am walking in the environment, I am walking in the nature, I am walking indoors. Normal way of conceiving, useful and appropriate for conversational purposes. But to look a little bit more aware and more deeply, the human elements which make up human existence and the immediate elements which are around us uh, earth, air, heat, water of course are inseparable from each other. There's air inside of us, there's the earth element with us, there's the liquid elements from saliva to blood, and there's the temperature element with us. We look around, what do we experience, what do we see? We see earth element, we see air element, heat element, liquid element. So, breaking down the divisions of I walking in the environment and just nature manifesting, nature unfolding itself without so much of the uh, constructed division. One might say environment is walking. Environment has taken the form of walking and is taking one step at a time. So, again, the walking experience and the whole sense with the walking experience is uh, really renewing and re-establishing the unshakable relationship that we have with the world, with the earth, with the immediate environment. With the sitting meditations and the sitting form, first day or two, care and attention given to the breath, and particularly at any times, wherever there is any confusion arising, that confusion can arise, of course, just from the movement of mind states. It can arise from uh, various uh, circumstances around, and that can include instructions, it can include talks or whatever, and sometimes that uh, triggers some confusion and uncertainty. Whatever the form, whatever the original spark for it, please remember that the breath is always an invaluable resource to clear consciousness from confusion and to steady ourselves in the here and now.
Now sometimes a single in-breath, a single out-breath can clear away the uncertainty or the doubt or the confusion and we're just present and to be really well established with the present. So as I say, sometimes, particularly for those of you who are new, relatively new to meditation work, sometimes things are not uh, clear, one is not quite sure of what one is doing and triggers some uh, uncertain thoughts, then please remember to breathe. Just as in numerous other situations in our life where we're uncertain, some confusion, breathe in long, breathe in deep, clear the consciousness. Let the breath be our good friend, our consistent pillar of support for clear consciousness. Then we began expanding out the field of attention from the breath to include uh, bodily awarenesses and in that not so much concerned with the outer appearance of the body, though useful and appropriate as it is, much more concerned with the nature of body, the direct experience of bodily life and therefore the sensations, vibrations, pleasant, unpleasant, the whole experience of physical existence and that intimacy of connection with that. In the moment of being with the bare physical experiences, lots of the outer considerations actually are rather rendered null and void. What place in touch with the bare physical life does gender have, for example? It's an outer consideration. What place does age have? What place does size, shape, color, form have? All of these conceptions, what place does nationality have? All of these conceptions which are very much around the outer appearance of the body, in which there is so much conflict and confusion and discrimination in this world, when we are just still and we just experience bare physical life, the bareness of the human being, the sensations, the vibrations, the direct experience of bodily life, then so much of these outer conflicts and all the painful isms that go with it really are empty of significance. We're realizing emptiness of it. So again, getting in touch with just bare experiences, puts and gives us access to another depth, another uh, way of realizing and being in this world. So the outer is really just conventional, just ways of looking. So from breathing to bare bodily attention, bare bodily experiences, and then we expanded further and to include the sounds of the day and that fullness of listening with the sounds and to note and to be aware too when there is some forms of reactivity to what we hear or of course when our eyes are open equally to what we see. Can we just be with life, be with what's revealing itself just as it is? No wish to intrude into it, no wish to interfere or disturb anything. And in that, 
awareness there, it's as almost as though our self is transparent in this world. It's almost as if we are not. Because there's no wish to disturb, to intrude, to uh, interfere with in any way. And therefore, in the silence of things, in the awareness and stillness of things, when that fullness of listening, fullness of seeing, as I say, as though we were not. And just to trust in that, rather, that awareness which is rather empty of movement. To be in that, to dwell there, as if we are not. And again, during the time, as I say, breath, body, listening, to be aware to when mind states are occurring, sometimes in the forms of feelings, sometimes emotional, sometimes a general state or mood that takes place. Again, we tend easily to identify with that. Oh, I am feeling like this, I am feeling like that. Uh, I'm caught up in this mood, I'm going through this mind state. And rather, in our intimacy there, to acknowledge this mind state. To be aware of how we look at life through a mind state, how we view other people through a mind state, through unsatisfactory mind states, how we view ourselves in unsatisfactory ways. So, again, acknowledging when there are unsatisfactory mind states, boredom, um, dullness, agitation, anxieties, whatever the expression, just to be aware this is a mind state dependent on conditions, arises with conditions, dissolves with conditions. Not drawing from that mind state any hard and fast conclusions about anything or anyone. If we don't draw hard and fast conclusions, then it won't linger on. We won't be carrying it with us. We just say, oh, this is a mind state. There's something which is occurring at this particular time. Of course, views and opinions are, are emerging from this unsatisfactory mind state, but I don't have to carry it with me. I don't have to carry them into the future. So we recognize the arising of a mind state, the passing of the mind state. We are aware when it is present. This is the unsatisfactory ones, of course. We are aware when it's present, and we are aware in its absence. We just see the conditionality of its appearance. So breathing, um, body awareness, expansive awareness to include the sound, sights too, if one wishes, and the mind state which are, are occurring. And sometimes the state of mind is one of clearness. When there is state of mind is one of calmness, one of being grounded. Be thoroughly familiar with this. Be attentive to this. Let Know this one very, very well. When you're feeling calm, you're feeling clear, feeling settled, and there's a, a quality of alertness and presence in that moment. Feel that. Know that intimately and very, very well. So that when we lose that, when we drift from that, when we are shaken out of that by the circumstances of life, the whole being will want to respond quickly, it would rediscover, reconnect 
with the calmness of being, the clear heart, the warm heart, the clear mind, very quickly because it's so familiar. And there's a natural, organic renewal with that. So again, the times when we're feeling clear and calm, to let that be very familiar quality of being. So it's easily rediscoverable, discoverable when we get knocked off balance through life circumstances. Again, finally, if in the listening this morning, with the instructions, there's some, still some confusion, and not quite sure, then please remember to breathe. Just remember to breathe. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.